0: Merry Christmas, First Church. So glad you decided to spend Christmas Eve with us. If you're new, my name is Chad, and I just want to welcome you. We're so glad you're here. And besides those of you who are in this room, we have others who are watching this service online. So if you would, let's take a moment, let's welcome them into our time of study here tonight. Well, My daughter Addie was so excited this year because for the first time she got to be in a Christmas program at her preschool and her task was to sing three songs. Her class was given three songs to sing in this Christmas program and she was just so excited she kept singing those songs over and over again at our house in the car even before we lay her down to bed at times she'd be singing those songs got to the point that I knew those songs better than she did and so I heard these songs over and over again in the weeks leading up to her big performance and finally the day came Allison and I got there early we got seats on the very front row we had our phones ready to take pictures and to film it and so we're ready for Addie to come out and her class comes out to sing their three songs and she passes right in front of us and so we kind of got our attention and said hey Addie mommy and daddy are over here and that was a big mistake because it was like she didn't realize we were going to be there and so she just started staring at us and she stared at us through the entire performance she never took her eyes off of us but not just that it's like she forgot where she was she did not sing one note she didn't say anything she didn't do any of the motions she just stared at us the entire time she never looked at her choir director she didn't look at anybody else in the audience or any other kids just us in fact here's a clip of her singing one of the songs and here she is she's looking at Allison and me and you can tell the other kids they're dancing singing they're trying to as good as two and three-year-olds do but they're trying to do their part and Addie she's just staring at us the entire time and she did that for all three songs and I remember sitting there thinking just sing just you know do something but she didn't and I thought what a waste all that practice all that singing for nothing but you know she was still cute and we loved it anyway we were proud of her but it did remind me of a truth that I've learned over and over again since I've been a parent and it's this little kids They are so unpredictable. You never know what they're going to do. It's kind of like this kid I saw in a video a couple years ago who was asked to sing a solo in his church. And take a look at what happened. I love that little kid, I really do. He's awesome. (laughs) Little kids are unpredictable and what they often do is unexpected. And if there are two words that I think describe the birth of Jesus, it would be those two words, unpredictable and unexpected. No one could have predicted that God's plan to rescue, to save the world would start with a little baby he was born in the sleepy town of Bethlehem. And even if you could have predicted that, no one would have expected what Jesus ended up doing for us. Totally unexpected. Something we could not predict. Something we couldn't plan out ourselves yet. God knew it was exactly what we needed. In fact, it was the only way to save us. It was the only way he could get us back. God knew exactly what we needed, and what we needed more than anything else was him. Let me illustrate it like this. This time of year, a subject that comes up a lot in many homes is a subject of toys. Kids want toys this time of year, don't they? And one of my kids' favorite places to go in the Tulsa Mall is the Build-A-Bear Workshop. I'm not sure if you've been here or not, but basically the concept is you pay a whole bunch of money to go and to design and craft your own stuffed bear. So you get to pick the color of the bear's fur and the stuffing inside of it, the eye color. You get to pick the clothes that the bear wears. And for extra money, you can even put a voice box inside of it so it talks to you. Now, my kids don't get to go there a whole lot because it is pretty expensive. But I remember after we had lived here a couple months, we took Alex and Addie there for a treat. And Alex designed a bear. And this is the bear that my son designed. He got to pick out the color. He got to pick out uh, the clothes that the bear's wearing. He's wearing an OKC Thunder jersey, which is kind of awesome. And we even paid extra money for this bear to have a voice box in. And this is what the bear says. Are you ready? I'm not sure if you can hear it through my mic. I love you. I love you. Did you catch that? I'm going to do it again. I love you, I love you. I know, that's cute, isn't it? It was not worth the extra five bucks it cost to put that thing in there, but still, we did it. And this was the bear that Alex designed. And here's the thing. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this isn't what a real bear looks like. Oh, it's close to what a real bear looks like, but it's not. Because bears in nature... They don't smile, unless they're getting ready to eat you, maybe, but they don't smile normally. Uh, They don't stay this small. They don't wear clothes. They especially don't wear basketball jerseys and they definitely don't walk around saying I love you, I love you. That would probably freak us all out. Real bears don't do that, but Alex's bear does because this is a bear as Alex wants it to be. This was a bear designed by him, by his imagination. And there's nothing wrong with Alex designing his own stuff to bear. But here's the thing. I'm afraid that we often do the same thing with God. You may never thought about it like this, but we kind of live in a build-a-God kind of world where everybody has their own idea of who they think God should be, what they believe God should do. And you hear people say things like, you know, I don't think God would ever do that. I don't think God would actually say that. Or I think God should do this, or he should be involved in this. And there's all these different conflicting ideas and images of God floating out there that people have created themselves. And oftentimes, that can be confusing and even discouraging to some people. I've had numerous conversations with individuals when I've sat across a table from them or in their living room, and they've looked at me and they've said, Chad, I just can't believe in God. And I've looked at them and I've said, Well, tell me about this God you can't believe in. And they'll say, Well, I just can't believe in a God that would do this or do that or say that. And I've often looked back at them and said, Well, I don't believe in that God either. Let me introduce you to the God I wish you knew. Let me introduce you to the God who I know. And honestly, I believe that that's the message of Christmas. I believe that's one of the primary reasons why Jesus came to the earth. He came to make God known. He came to reveal who God really is, his true character, his true essence. He came so that we could experience his love, God's love in a way like we never had before. Christmas is the story of God kneeling down, coming into our world so that we could know Him and enter into a relationship with Him. John, in his gospel, when he introduces us to Jesus, he words it like this. John chapter 1 says this, verse 14 the Word, the Word meaning the eternal God, the Word became flesh, became human. And made his dwelling among us. God became a man so that he could live with us. Translation God came down the ladder. God opened up the door that separated our world and his, and he stepped through. God refused to let the barrier that we created because of sin separate us from him. The creator became part of his creation. Holiness asleep in Mary's womb. The great I am became an embryo. He floated around an amniotic fluid. God came down the ladder. God was given eyebrows and elbows and knees and feet and hands, toenails and fingernails, two kidneys and a spleen. God came down the ladder. And when he came, he didn't come as an unapproachable dignitary. He didn't come as a celebrity that we couldn't get around or touch. No, he was born to a scared little Jewish girl and a tired carpenter. The first hands that held the great I am weren't well-manicured hands, but were calloused and dirty hands. The son of God The first place he had to lay his head Was a feed trough for animals God came down the ladder And that child that was born in Bethlehem Grew up And as a kid He stumped his toe He scraped his knee He caught a cold just like we catch colds He coughed and sneezed He became a teenager And probably as a teenager, he struggled with acne and, God forbid, B.O. God came down the ladder, fully God, yet he chose to be fully man. And here's the thing, sometimes talking about the humanity of God, the humanity of Jesus, makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable, but that's who God chose to be. He chose to be a man. He chose to take on human flesh for a reason. God came down the ladder because that's where we were. And he wanted more than anything else to be with us because he knew more than anything else, he is what we needed. That's why I love what the angel says to Joseph. When the angel predicts the birth of Jesus, Matthew chapter one, the angel says the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God couldn't stand being away from us. He couldn't stand at a distance from us anymore. God came to live with us. He stepped into the muck and mire of our mess. So that he could pull us up out of it. And this lets us know some things about our God. See, in Jesus, we have the perfect picture of God, the best picture that we could possibly have of who God really is. And Jesus reveals the true God, our God, to us. And the first thing that Jesus reveals to us is that God really does love us. Now, I know that may sound a little cliche, and you've heard that before, and that might even be hard for you to believe, because if you're like me, you've probably given God a lot of reasons not to love you. But here's the thing. There's a cross that stands in history that speaks to your worth. It speaks of your value in God's eyes. You see, the one who was born in Bethlehem, he came for a purpose, and that purpose was to die. He came to die for us. Because here's the thing. God didn't want for us to have to suffer. God didn't want for us to have to pay the penalty of our sin because he knew we couldn't do it. The only one that could pay the penalty was him. And you don't die for someone you don't love. He made the ultimate sacrifice because he really does love us. And that may sound simplistic, or cliche, but I think it needs to be said because so many people have the wrong idea of God. They see God as this cosmic referee who has a whistle ready to blow every time that we mess up, every time we blow it, just ready to correct us. And that's not our God. God didn't come to penalize us. God came to pay the penalty for us. And the more you get to know who God really is, the more you realize that his forgiveness is greater than our failures. His compassion is greater than our pain. His healing is greater than our hurt. God really does love us. But not just that, God really does get us. Let me explain what I mean by that. It may sound a little weird, but what I mean by that is God understands us. See, God came down the ladder to let us know he can relate to us Because, yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And what that means is he lived life as we live life. He was tempted in every way just as we are tempted and yet was without sin. He faced stress and pressure in life. He was rejected by others. He felt pain. He felt heartache. Jesus lived as we live. And Hebrews says this about him. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one, speaking of Jesus, who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. See, God, He knows how to speak our language because the universal language of the human race is pain and suffering. And He came to our mess. He stepped into our mess and wasn't afraid of it but he came to take it on to let us know that there's a way out see God he really loves us and he really gets us but also he isn't finished with us and Jesus lets us know just that see yes God loves you where you are but he loves you too much for you to stay there Yes God came down the ladder but he didn't come down the ladder so we can just live in the mess together. He came down the ladder to bring us back the ladder to bring us back up with him. Jesus came as a light in the midst of a very very dark world so that he could lead us out of that darkness. And I don't know where you are right now, I don't know what darkness is surrounding you. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what guilt you're carrying or what pain you've experienced, but I know one thing. Jesus is the way out. And I know that you don't have to keep living as the rest of the world lives. You can live with hope. You can live with peace. You can live with comfort and joy in the midst of a very, very dark world. That's what Jesus came to be for us. A light that shines in the midst of darkness. That's what Jesus says about himself in John chapter 8. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. See, I love this time of year, and there's a lot about this season that I really enjoy. But one thing I don't like about this time of year is that it gets dark so early. <laughs> I can't stand it when it's like dark at six o'clock. I mean, that just, that kills me. And sometimes when I'm driving home from the office and it's already dark out, I mean, I'm just miserable. I mean, I, it makes me depressed and down. I just don't like it all. I like it during the summertime when it's daylight a lot longer. I just don't like it when it gets dark so early. So I'm driving home. I'm like, man, I can't believe it's dark. And then I turn onto my street. And when I turn onto my street, I look for the same thing every single time. See, in the front of our house, there's this big window, and the window is where our kitchen is. And oftentimes, my family, they're waiting on me to get there so we can eat dinner together. And so the kids are playing, and Allison's waiting on me. And so what that means is they have the light on in that room. And so when I turn onto my street and I look at my house, this is what I see. I see that front window all lit up. Now, you can't really tell what my house looks like, and that's okay, I don't want you to know where I live. No, I'm just kidding, that's a joke, (laughs) that's a joke. But in the midst of the darkness, that's what I see. And that sight right there gives me hope. You know why? Because when I see that, I know I'm almost home. And I know this is a place where I'm loved. This is a place where I matter. This is a place where I am welcomed. And I know that once I get there, I get to step out of the darkness into the light. Now, I don't know what your home life is like, but let me tell you something. This is what Jesus wants to give you today, but on a much, much larger level. See, Jesus came to be light in the midst of darkness so that he can guide you home, so that he can guide you to a place in life where you have a restored relationship with your Heavenly Father, where you can experience the Father's love, where you can be welcomed into his family where you can know that you matter and that you have value. Jesus came to be that light. And as long as you keep your eyes on him, as long as you're focused on him, he will lead you home. He will lead you to the life that God created you to live. And he will bring you out of the darkness. See, I don't know what you think of when you picture God When you envision God, I don't know what comes to mind. I don't know what idea of God you may have created or what idea of God somebody else has given to you. But I know one thing, when I think about God, this is what I think of. I see a light, a light that's calling out to me, a light that says, The darkness doesn't have to win in your life. A light that says the darkness doesn't get the last word. A light that illuminates my life, that brings me hope, that gives me direction, that lets me know that even though I don't deserve it, God loves me, and he hasn't given up on me, and that he still has a plan for my life, and if I follow that light, He'll lead me where I need to go. And here's the thing, the same is true for you. There's a light shining in the midst of the darkness today that's calling out to you, and that light is Jesus. He doesn't want you living in darkness anymore. He doesn't want you to be afraid anymore or scared anymore. He doesn't want you to feel alone anymore. He doesn't want your past weighing you down anymore. He doesn't want you carrying on guilt anymore. He wants you to know That you are loved. And that he has a home waiting for you. See, that's why this church exists. We exist to be a beacon of light in the midst of a very, very dark world. And here in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to pull out the candles that you picked up when you walked into this room today. And we're gonna light these candles. And it's gonna symbolize the light that Jesus has shared with us and the light that we're supposed to take out and share with others. I don't know what you asked for this Christmas, but can I give you a suggestion? Ask for more Jesus. Because when you do, you won't regret it. He'll light up your life, and he'll do the unexpected for you. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much For becoming a man, for taking on flesh, so that you could be our light in the midst of this very, very dark world. And Father, in this moment, as we light these candles, may we celebrate you, your coming to this earth, and may we remember that, Father, we are here to shine your light to the world. In the name of Jesus, the one who was born in Bethlehem. And the one who went to the cross, I pray, amen. From my family to yours, Merry Christmas.